back to the Clemson Podcast. I'm your host today, Cody Fowler, joined here with Ben Walty. And we're, we're actually without our third guy, Nick Tolley, who's enjoying his, his last vacation down in Cabo um, before he becomes a father, which he's expecting right around the Florida State game. Yeah, they're calling it a baby moon. Um, I think he's really just in training, building up his tolerance on some uh, margaritas and tequila, getting ready for the football season. But whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, <laughs> hope they're having a good time down there. Yeah, exactly. Just getting ready. He's going to be drinking a lot of Ducates, a lot of uh, margaritas soon. Um, so, Ben, you we missed you last week during our season preview. You have some big news. You were in San Diego. I don't know what happened down there. Yeah, you guys mentioned it last week. I got engaged to my beautiful girlfriend, now fiance, Sarah. Um, couldn't be happier. Dude, she doesn't listen to the podcast. You don't have, you don't, you don't have to say She doesn't, that. but she could be outside listening, so I don't want to throw that out there. But no, seriously, um, really big weekend. Uh, we've been together for a while now, and you know this, this is a really, you know, really cool thing to, to experience. Uh, all the love that we've gotten from our friends and family is much appreciated. Um, so quick side story here real quick. Uh, actually I, uh, flew our friends, uh, Graham and Katie, both Clemson alum and, uh, San Diego to surprise her, um, in addition to the engagement. And so we're sitting there one night after the engagement and we're starting to talk about wedding dates. You know, we don't really plan for maybe like a year and a half when it's spring 2017 to getting, uh, to get married. And so we start going over the things, because obviously the first thing I said is we're definitely not getting married during football season. That's just not going to happen, you know? So I, I lay you. that as the number one ground rule. Some people don't, like, hold themselves to the same I standard there. don't understand it, but, you know, teach their own. Um, so we started laying some other stipulations. It's like, okay, well, we kind of need it for after school lets out, for people with kids in school can make it out to California. And then, you know, it can't be Memorial Day, because things are be more expensive than to travel and to stay places. Uh, so we're thinking, okay, maybe right after a holiday would be cheaper. So I start looking at a calendar, and the first weekend, the first Saturday after Memorial Day, I see is June 3rd. So I'm thinking June 3rd, 2017, that's 6 and I just all of a sudden blurt out 6317. And Graham and Katie <laughs> begin both Clemson along. We just start chanting 6317, 63-17. Sarah doesn't know what the hell's going on because she didn't go to Clemson. Uh, but guys, uh, if any of you are planning to get married, uh, probably around the spring of 2017, I want to point out that date. You could get married on 63-17. That's what I'm That's amazing. For. That's what I'm aiming for. I was in the stands that night, 2003 Williams-Brice Stadium. So it means a lot to me. Not so much to Sarah, but you know, to me. It's a big deal. <laughs> Dude, that's, that's awesome. And the most important thing, like you said, it's not during football season. That's probably the best part. And yet still has, uh, brings very fond memories. There you Along go. with it from football season. <laughs> we'll chant that at your wedding. Can't wait. <laughs> That's going to be one fun wedding. Um, so yeah, just a quick a quick shout out. We we know this is our first episode working with SB Nation, uh, Shaking the Southland, our you know Clemson uh, affiliate, and we uh, we're you know just very excited, very honored to be working with those guys. Um, they they do a great job. We you know we we definitely follow. We we keep we keep up with all Clemson media. Um, shaking the Southland, probably head and shoulders is above the the rest in our in our opinion. And um, anyway, it's it's just it's good to work with those guys. And um, anyway, let's get started. So we're two it's, days. It's game week, man. It's game week. Yeah, it is that time of the year. I mean, the last eight months. This is what we've been waiting for, right? We've yeah, we've been. I remember when, when it was a hundred days, and now it's it's like just forty eight hours. Can't wait. So Ben, you weren't here for our season preview, um, so let's let's 
give us your kind of prediction, like your season outlook. Where are, is this a ten and two season? Is it an eight and four season, or is it? Are we like national championship bound? You know, at this point, it's sad to say, I, I almost hate to say ten and two. I mean, it's almost to the point where ten and two now is just not enough for us because we've been doing it uh, so often. All these, uh, you know, uh, double digit win seasons that we've been having. You know, my tendency is to think that we say that path. I'm going to give you the same narrative that everybody else is giving you. Does Deshaun Watson stay healthy? How's our offensive line? Can our defense live up to the hype from last year? And, you know, I, you know, I think we have a, a lot more talented players filling in that are really going to make up for a lot of these weaknesses. Uh, but I do think some of them are very valid con- concerns. You know, Deshaun Watson, I'm hesitant to be, you know, it's, it's just natural for me to be fearful that he's going to be injured because of his history. But we'll see. I really think it's going to be different this year. He's going to be grown into his body. He's been in the strength and conditioning program, and he's going to be ready to go. The offensive line, I do think there are legitimate concerns we're going to see play out in the season. It's good that we have a couple of easier games to start out with, but I do think they're going to be a factor at some point. Um, And then also on the defense. At one time, I would have told you I'm not worried about the defense at all. But then we've seen some subtraction from this defense, including you know the uh, indefinite leave of DJ Reader, and then Corn Wiggins and his injury, Corey Rogers uh, leaving the team. So that's that's hits our linebacking core and to a defensive line that was replacing all the starters from last year. I still think our defensive line is going to be strong. I do have worries at linebacker. I think our secondary is going to be fine. But again, I think this is a, a place where we could lose a game because of this this group. And then also their special teams. Um, you know, we have Eamon Lakeup uh, suspended for the first three games of the year. We're missing uh, Bradley Pinion, so that's a reliable punter and guy to kick off. We're hearing good things about Greg Heigl, uh, hitting long field goals in practice, but that means nothing until you get into a game situation with a lot of pressure on you. That could come, you know, during the Louisville game. Uh, we don't get Lakeup back until Notre Dame. That being said, you know, I think all these things together, we're going to weather some of the storm, but I still see a couple losses on our schedule, whether that be um, via you know, poor performance on the offensive line for some young guys. And you know what? Honestly, I think if they could stay healthy all year, that we might be fine. We could see some guys grow, but there's always going to be injuries. We just don't have a lot of depth there. And then when linebackers on the defense, you know, do we have guys that are experienced enough to you know, play a Georgia Tech team and hold them. I have my doubts. So I'm seeing two losses this year. Um, I think you know, one of them may come against Georgia Tech just because trying to defend that triple option, Georgia Tech has a good quarterback, um, so they could give us trouble. And then, uh, unfortunately, I'm also seeing maybe Florida State again, just from a combination of getting really tested on the offensive line you know, our defense will evolve, but again, it's going to be a depth issue there. And then special teams. I know Lakeup will be back. Does he return to form that he did, you know, how he was at the end of the season? Or does some of the troubles he faced really get in his head? You know, we've seen Jad Dean have a great year, and then the next year, stuff got in his head, and he just wasn't the same. And then also, you know, kickoffs, you know, we're not getting the balls deep, field position, same thing with punting. That could really be an issue. So, unfortunately, I do see two losses on this schedule. Now, does that mean we can't get into the ACC championship game? Absolutely not, because Florida State could lose some games too. So we could I, definitely have a rematch. I don't know. I think what you're saying here is if we lose to Florida State, in my opinion, I think that's it. But we could lose. It usually is. We could lose to Louisville. We could lose to Notre Dame and have one loss on the schedule, still get into the ACC championship, still 
potentially with one loss have a playoff opportunity. But if we lose, if even at that one loss or if a second loss, obviously it's to Florida State. I, I mean, not to say the window, the season's out the window, but no, no playoff chance at that point. Yeah, no, well, uh, absolutely no playoff chance. I was thinking more of ACC championship game. You're right. I mean, if it, if this, if there's a second ACC loss and it's to Florida State, then it essentially puts us, I guess, three games behind technically because they would have the tiebreaker uh, yeah. win over us. So, okay, maybe if we have one loss and it's to Florida State, I can still see Florida State getting two ACC losses and propelling us back into that ACC championship game. I I think it's absolutely a possibility. If all the pieces fall into place... I see us making a playoff run, no doubt. I can see us running the table during the regular season and winning the ACC championship, absolutely. But how often do all the pieces perfectly fall into place? You can say maybe for Ohio State they did last year, losing their first game of the year and then somehow pulling three NFL-ready quarterbacks or football players out of their back pocket. Uh, But that's not going to happen to everybody. Because I guarantee you that this Clemson team does not have three quarterbacks capable of of leading us to the college football playoffs. We have one as of right now, and that's Deshaun Watson. We saw that last year. Yeah, we, we can't lose Deshaun Watson. So I think I finally I've kind of caved a little bit in the 2015 versus 2016 debate where I knew, you know, I knew that we were better, will be better most likely in 2016. Compared to 2015, our schedule lines up so much better versus 2016. The one thing that, Coming into this year, the margin of error was going to be so thin because of depth. Well, we lost Isaiah Battle. We lost Ebo. We lost Corey Rogers, all for various reasons. We lost Corn Wiggins. So I'm, I'm kind of now on the boat that I think 2016 is, is kind of the year, which I hate to say it, but, I mean, you're right. You don't know what's going to give, but when you keep losing players, the depth is so thin. Like a position like linebacker or even offensive line, it could become a shit show really quick. And I mean, what, are, what an odd odd off season this has been. I mean, we've had several guys get in trouble or leave the team because their heart's not in it. It it's, it's very curious to me as to why there's been a change. Is it because does it have anything to do with the amount of talent that we have on the team that some guys are seeing their opportunities and their ceiling kind of lowered or the I mean, we don't know what happened with DJ Reader. We obviously we know what happened with Ebo. We know what happened with Isaiah Battle. Um, so it is kind of very, uh, it's not in character for a Clemson team to go through these type of things, especially under Dabo, but this could be one of those outliers, right? It could be one of those odd seasons that it's kind of a perfect storm and all these things happen. I mean, we've seen problems with Clemson players before would be Chad Kelly or, um, uh, what was the running back? Mike Bellamy. Mike Bellamy. Yeah. That had so much potential. So it does happen. Maybe this time it just happened all at once. Same thing with him. And Lakeup, he he had some issues off the field. So I mean, yeah, these things, these kind of things happen. We're talking about again, eighteen to twenty-two year old kids. But the and difference is now we have the talent to back it up. Yeah, to to fill in, it's the experience that may get them. We'll just have to see what happens. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think we're I think we're in good shape going into the um, going into the the Wofford game. It's just. And I, I don't, I don't foresee a lot of like, I don't can't foresee any more dismissals or departures. I mean, hopefully there's no more injuries. Well, God, you know, God forbid the 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 chop block. Well, I I would we're gonna see injuries. It's gonna happen. It's it's gonna be part of what positions those injuries occur. I mean, you can look at our our depth chart and say, well, you never want to see an injury, but wide receiver is a place where we could certainly stand to have one. 
Kind of the same thing with running back. Man, uh, I, can't, I can't go down this path, but yeah, you're, you're right. <laughs> but I, yeah, we'll just say it don't happen. Mitch Hyatt, don't get injured. Shaq Lawson, don't get injured. And most important, Deshaun Watson, please do not get injured. But aside from that, we might be able to sustain it or uh, get through it. So let's, let's, we're talking about injuries. Um, you know, like we have a few guys that are kind of on the, on the, you know, the fence there. I think the one that stands out the most is Kendall Joseph. Who, you know, we really need him for that linebacker depth. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to hear that he's going to play and he's come back from his injury. I think he's, he's been banged up a little bit, but we've heard such good things about him and there's been a lot of positive talk and excitement surrounding him uh, that it's, it's really important to have him on the field, especially at the linebacker position where we are um, so thin right now. And keep in mind, guys, this is a redshirt freshman. You know, He's a young guy who's creating a lot of chatter amongst the coaches and his fellow teammates. Be really excited, exciting to see him get on the field. He's gonna be backing up uh, B.J. Goodson at the uh, middle linebacker position. Um, but that's it's gonna be sharp in the arm to have some young guys really be able to step up and step into place for uh, you know for for the losses that we have, especially again with Corn Wiggins, and Corey Rogers. Yep, and Stanton's second year, he's been injured. You know, I, I like him. You know, he's been around the program. This is his fifth year now. But positive news is Garrett Williams. And there was a time, I think just two months ago, maybe less than that, I was like, I, I was telling you, Ben, I was like, there's no way. He's going to redshirt. But he's not only not going to redshirt now, he is actually listed as a co-starter at the tight end position. So, you know, we love Stanton's second year. We know we have depth there. But I, that's, such, that's probably one of the most positive things that have come out of this freshman class, aside from Christian Wilkins just being a complete beast is that Garrett Williams has emerged as not only a threat in the passing game, but also a guy that can block out of the tight end position. Well, so, so this is a very interesting topic because we're actually listing you know two tight ends as if we could go to two tight end sets a lot more, which is not something that we've been recently doing, especially under Chad Morris. So the first question is, is this a shift uh, uh, in philosophy that we're seeing Tony Elliott and Jeff Scott um, or is it uh, just in response to needing more guys that can block? I, I'm not sure, but I, I like the, the thought of like a halfback yeah. of uh, Garrett Williams because he played a lot of running back in high school. I'd love to see a guy in that, that, that lead role just kind of mauling over someone for our running backs. Well, and the other thing, to see him listed ahead of uh, a guy like J.J. McCullough, who has yeah. the talent. We haven't seen him put together on the field. He's obviously had issues off the field. But he's jumped him as a true freshman tied in. So, again, Clemson has been spoiled a little bit in recent history by having some really great tight ends, uh, whether it be uh, Dwayne Allen, uh, everybody remember Michael Palmer. Brandon Ford was good. Brandon Ford. And then we've recruited well, just had the level of production has been just pitiful really for the last what has it been three years now yeah so ever since Brandon Ford left so it's good to see uh Garrett Williams come in and maybe overachieve and really just have the drive and the passion to maybe push some of these other guys you know these you know junior in uh Jordan Leggett and the same thing in a redshirt junior in uh JJ McCullough and maybe bring out the best in them don't forget about Mylon Richard yeah the same thing too he could be great apparently the word on him is he can't block well, we definitely need some guys who can block. He's in, he's Herschel Walker's nephew. He he's an athletic freak, but he can't block. Like, come on, man, just block. We know you can catch block. Um, let's get to the Wofford preview, Ben. Um, 
you know, this isn't like a sexy topic. We know a little bit about Wofford. We played them a few years ago. We know they have a gimmicky triple option offense, kind of like Georgia Tech. You've done a little bit of research on them, just kind of going in. Like, What can we expect from Wofford, and what kind of game are we expecting? All right, so I've mentioned this uh, in several of the past podcast episodes. I, I think it's fantastic to have a team like Wofford that runs a triple option on your schedule, especially when you play Georgia Tech every single year. Obviously, we all have our gripes about playing cupcake teams. There's financial reasons for them. There's logical reasons for them. You know, I know Clemson likes to support, uh, support in-state uh, football programs. So I'm perfectly fine with having Wofford on the schedule. I'm really glad that we actually have them, followed by Appalachian State as the first two games on the schedule this year, uh, given you know kind of some of the turnover that we've had on both sides of the ball. Uh, but again, Wofford, I think, for who they are, and, and again, let's not overlook them. I'll remind you guys, the last time we played them, I believe like four years ago, it was tied, I believe, going in at halftime, and it was a close game going into the fourth quarter. We only ended up winning by eight points. And this is four years ago. I mean, this is talking about we had guys like Taj Boyd, Sammy Watkins, and Andre Ellington. It was their first year. Taj Boyd and Sammy Watkins. Well, Deshaun Watson's going to be his first full year if he stays healthy. Um, and then we have really, I mean, you would argue, unproven running backs. Obviously, we have some proven wide receivers. But, you know, still, I mean, we had those talented guys uh, when we played them last, and it was that close of a game. I think we have a better defense. Uh, for sure, but you know, Wofford gave Georgia Tech a tough time in their first game last year. The score ended up being uh, thirty-eight to nineteen, but I, they were just down by one, like ten to nine at halftime. So again, I think we should win this game, no problem. If our talent lives up to the hype and is as good as they should be, then we should win this game, no problem. But I think it's great practice for Georgia Tech, and I think a lot of things are going to expose. Uh, themselves on our team now here's why they could be a bit of a threat the the triple option always hard to defend against I know it's a gimmick offense they don't pass a lot and much less than actually Georgia Tech does so that limits them a little bit but still it's a it's a scheme where you have to have a defense that's really smart and six of their assignments when you have young and experienced guys that could take a toll they also have lots of starters returning so that means they have guys in their system that have been doing this a while that are really experienced. Yes, they may not be the most talented guys in the world, but this type of offense covers up for lack of talent. Um, you know, they averaged over five yards a rush last year and had almost 300 yards average rushing per game. Um, you know, only 69 yards passing a game, but again, almost 300 yards rushing a game, that can really keep, that keeps your offense on your field. I mean, where your defense d- down, we may not have our offense on the field as much as we'd like to s- see what we, you know, what we have out of them. So, again, I don't think they should be a problem, but they are going to present some interesting um, challenges to us. It'll be, you know, I will be eager to see what comes out of that. I, I would even go as far as to say, on, as we're on defense and they're on offense, I wouldn't put too much stock into much of anything. The only thing I, w- I really care about at the end of the day is how many injuries do we come out of that game with, and hopefully it's zero. And because and the reason they do have a kind of a gimmicky offense, we're not going to be seeing much of that. We're going to see one game in Georgia Tech where it's similar, but this is their a lot of defensive players' first games really getting their feet wet. 
they might not be that good. They might be great. Either way, it's we're not going to face anything even close to similar to this, you know, aside from Georgia Tech. So I'm not all that worried. I'm more worried about what happens on the other side of the ball because Wofford, you know, for all of their returning guys and all their experience, they're still, they're still, you know, they're not to the level of Clemson. They can't keep up with our wide receivers. Yeah, no, they're still Wofford. They're still a six and five team last year from the SoCon. I totally get that. But there are different things I want to see on both sides of the ball. I want to see how our linebackers react. I want to see if they do bust any big plays. I'm interested to see how many points they put up against us because, you know, this is a team that can drive the field and put up points. So from the defensive side of the ball, I think that's something that we really do need to look at and pay attention to because though we may win the game handily, I think there's a lot of things that you can read into it. Obviously some things you can't because of the talent uh, you know, disparity between the two teams. But I, yeah, there are a lot of things you can read from this game. I mean, you can see Shaq Lawson on the end, and if he's just so disruptive that they can't do anything on his side of the ball, then we're like, hey, we're in, we're in good shape on that side. Or maybe like we see Christian Wilkins come in, and we're like, wow, this guy's going to be the best Clemson defensive tackle ever. Yeah, and I don't think it's going to be on the end. It's going to be on the tackles. You're going to see a lot of quarterback dives. Um, so let's see how we play the middle of the field. No DJ Reader. Yeah, exactly. See uh, what type of big gains they put up, or if when they do get to the outside, and maybe they do have you know double team on Shaq Lawson. How, do our linebackers stay home? Do they play their gaps? Uh, do they they play disciplined? You know, again, I think you know, in the end we're going to be fine, but from you know. There's going to be certain plays. We don't, I don't want to see a lot of big plays because I think that will be really telling. That's, yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I think the secondary with the talent there, that should limit the big plays. It's more of can we dominate a team on, in, in that front seven? And our first four up on the defensive line, maybe we can. You know, DJ Reader leaving indefinitely was a hit. But I still think there's enough firepower there to really dominate these guys up front. And then the linebacker core, can we see – like? What are we going to see there, especially from Jalen Williams and Kendall Joseph, two first-year guys? So, I mean, that's another good point you bring up. Okay, maybe all our starters are fine. We're going to need to see the two deep guys play well, too, because, again, they're too deep. They're backing up our starters, and they're going to see a lot of playing time this year. We might be fine across you know, our starting 11. That's true. How hey. does our second 11 play? Because, they're going to, again, they're going to get a lot of playing time. I'm not too optimistic, to be honest. But, hey, going back to the offensive side of the ball, um, I, I think we could put – I mean, assuming we have enough time, the time of possession, that, that Wofford's not completely eating, eating up all the clock on offense, we should put up 40, 50 points. I mean, like Deshaun Watson, I mean, he should be scoring a touchdown every time he has the ball. I think that's undoubtedly going to happen. Um, and I don't think there's a lot of positions, a lot of spots on offense where we're really going to be able to um, get a really good gauge of how good we are because, listen, we know how good Deshaun Watson is. However, it will be good to see him play a whole game healthy, and just it's, it's just going to be heartwarming and exciting to see him back on the field again making spectacular plays. But at the end of the day, we know what to expect out of him. We know what to expect out of our wide receivers. I mean, they're phenomenal. They are probably the, the best receiving core in college football. I will go so far as to say they are the best receiving core in college football. Um, then it comes down to running backs. You know, 
I, I think in a game like this, it's it's less so the talented running back is the holes that are open because the holes wide enough against inferior talent. You should just run right through them. They're going to be faster than anybody on their team, and they should get past them in the secondary, no problem. I think what it really comes down to is the offensive line. So if if there's no pressure all game on Watson uh, and some big holes are opened up in the running game and our offensive line seems to, to play well, I don't still I still don't think there's a lot we can take away from that because of the again the, the, the talent differential. However, one thing I do think we could take away if it was the case where we do see some pressure on Deshaun Watson or we do struggle in the running game due to you know just not good blocking, then I think that is very telling. And that does then uh, become something to be worried about because we should easily handle this defense. No problem. Uh, There's no gimmick to the defense that they have that can cover up a weakness like the offense can. I mean, you can see what you can see is is the push that the offensive line gets. These are not uh, Division I players. We should be able to at least get a nice push, solid push from the run game, pass protection. We should get. A solid amount of time. And by the way, Deshaun Watson, every time he goes out, especially against a team like Wofford, I mean, we saw what happened against North Carolina and North Carolina State. Like, we, he could set a record every time he goes out. I mean, he could set a Clemson record. He could set all kinds of records. But I think, I think the big thing, like you said, though, is, is what is the offensive line going to bring to the table? If, if it doesn't – I mean, if they don't dominate, it's not necessarily a, a, a bad sign. It's just – I mean, because there's still an element of cohesion – they're gonna to have to gain, and hopefully they can do it quick. Ho- hopefully they can do it in these first two games. But I mean, I mean, you got to take that into consideration. But more than anything, you're right. Offensive line, running back. I want to see a guy make a, you know a few guys miss. I want to see Wayne Gallman look good. I want to see Dyshawn Dobb run a few guys over. I want to see C.J. Davidson back to his normal playing uh, kind his of quick self. Yeah, his yeah, quick, quick self back. Yeah. You know, back to his you know regular conditioning. Uh, being healthy and see what he can do. I want to see his breakaway speed. I want to see that he's that track guy, right? That we've been missing since Spiller, uh, Jacoby Ford. We had a guy named Sammy that was pretty quick, but he was all right. Yeah, he was. He wasn't quite as fast as we would have liked, but no, uh, no. I, I, C.J. Davidson, he like put on some weight, slowed him down. I think he looks a lot better this year. He could give. He's not an every down back. We know that, but he could. You're right. He could definitely give something to this offense. Coaches are really high on him, and again, I think with the type of offense we run, you don't need to be an every down every down back. I mean, there's a a you could be a easily fit in a piece to the puzzle, depending on what your capabilities are, and make a big contribution to this offense. The more weapons we have, and the more variety we're able to to bring in our offensive scheme could one make up for a poor offensive line and two i mean it just gives you know defending teams especially when we get into big games like louisville notre dame florida state georgia tech like a lot of things to prepare for right because you don't know and depth exactly ray ray mcleod is a perfect example like is he a running back is he a wide receiver who cares he's a playmaker and other opposing coaches and defensive coordinators are gonna have to game plan for him for him and what the heck are they gonna do um, not to mention Artavis Scott, Deion Kane. So, um, so let's let's tie a bow on this. What, what's your prediction for the Wofford game? What's the score? Last thing, real quick though. Can I talk about kickers? For Wofford. For Wofford. Is it, it's not going to come down to kickers, dude. Well, I I know it's not going to come down to t- kickers. 
but there's a lot of things we're going to be able to tell from our kicking game in this game. It's, one, going to be kickoffs. Do we have anybody that can actually kick it out of the back of the end zone? Uh, or even into the end zone? If we see balls dropping, you know, 10 yards shy of the goal line, then that's going to be something that's going to be concerned about. The talent level on the other side of the ball and the receiving end does not have anything to do with how far we can kick it. So I think that's going to be one thing to look at. Punting, we're probably not going to punt a lot, let's be honest. The few punts that we do have, it'll be interesting to see, depending on where our field position is. Do we have a guy that can drive the ball? Do we have somebody that can drop it, you know, within the 20? Again, not going to have a lot to look at there, hopefully, but we'll see what happens. Uh, The last thing, though, is field goal kicking. I'll be interested to see if we get into some spots where we kick some field goals, especially from anywhere from the 20-yard line out. Uh, does Greg Heigl, does he have a good strike on the ball? Uh, does he hook it? Does he pull it? Is he confident? Is he confident? I mean, well, and I think the, the way he strikes the ball is going to tell a lot whether or not he's actually confident. I know confidence is going to be different between home against Wofford and on the road against Louisville. But I still think it's something to look at because in those situations, it has nothing to do with the talent on the other side of the ball. Now, maybe the pressure they get on the kick does, but not the kick itself. So I'm going to be very interested to see how these guys do because there is such a big question mark going into the season with the losses we have with Lake of Nuck there and losing a fifth-round draft pick in the NFL as a junior Bradley Pinion. Yeah, I agree, and it's, I mean, it's not, it's not the opposition that's going to be applying the pressure. It's the 85,000 fans that's, that's applying the pressure. It's real games, real, you know, it's, are you, are you ready for the moment? And, yeah, I mean, this and is... And Ammon Lake, last year, the beginning of the season, he wasn't ready for the moment. Same with Ken and Zara. Yeah, and there were some bright spots at the end of the year for Lake, but, you know, with a kicker, you still always feel uneasy. And now with his layoff and, you know, his poor decisions in the offseason is, uh, suspension that's going to set him back too so I would love nothing more than to see Hagel come on and have a spectacular first three games maybe hit a game winner against Louisville and just win the job for the rest of the season yeah I mean you don't have to worry about putting a a a guy like Lake up in in that third game and him not be confident but hey man by the way we all made some poor decisions during our Clemson off seasons too so it's it's all good, Amalika. <laughs> Are you um, talking about my engagement? Or? <laughs> no, no it's, I'm talking about that time in between uh, fall semester that and spring semester. That that time period, we all made some poor decisions. Okay, including no, me. no. I you know I I'm glad to hear that he's done everything that's been asked of him uh, and coming back. And I do want to see him back on the field. I'm just saying I wouldn't be completely disappointed. If Heigl came in and just straight up won the job and was a you know spot on uh, kicker that we could count on, never never complain complain of that. So let's go back to the prediction, Ben. What what's your score? What what you got? I see Clemson winning this game probably somewhere in the range of fifty two seventeen. Um, I, I think uh, we do have some letdowns maybe on defense, but nothing so much that we look really bad. And then on offense, I expect us to run like a well-oiled machine and then get some young guys in there at the end. I see us putting up in the 30s before halftime, you know, up into the 40s, especially before, you know, the fourth quarter. And then get a lot of young guys in, Kelly Bryant, 
in the fourth quarter to see what they can do. And maybe that's why that limits the score a little bit. Uh, but I, I think it's an easy win for us. And, you know, more than anything, I'm not worried about losing. I'm just looking forward to seeing the guys, you know, rub the rock and run down the hill. Yeah, I rubbed the shattered rock that, yeah, we were so upset about. Um, <laughs> you, didn't give my, you didn't give me a chance to defend myself. No, nope, nope. we I don't have here. time for that. We're running low on time, Ben, <laughs> so I'm going to stop you right there. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go on the high side. I'm gonna go a little little crazy. Sixty-two to ten. Uh, just a record-setting game for Deshaun Watson. Probably not. I, I think I like your prediction better, but I just want to be a little bit bold. Yeah, I just don't see record settings. I don't expect him to be in that long if we get if we pull that far ahead because I I think yeah. the coach staff is going to see Schusler get in there and obviously get some time for Kelly Bryant. But you know what? I'm not. I wouldn't complain about sixty-two to ten. Yeah, and not saying that those backup guys couldn't put up those numbers either. I would love. By the way, I'd love to see Kelly Bryant go in there and look like Cam Newton and right. just run the opposing linebackers and secondaries or uh, you know cornerbacks over. That as would be that would be such a good. As anxious as I am to see him uh, run the ball, I'm also really anxious to see him throw because I think that was one of his weaknesses in the spring game when we we they've said he's developed. Well, he's got an arm. It's more of like a timing and fill, right. like just like with any college quarterback. Yeah, I want to see him. I know we've only seen Schusler for like seven passes or something last year. Yeah, I would love to see him do well. You know, I'm not excited about what's that? Nick Schusler. <laughs> like, do you do you like look forward to him at all? Like, I don't. I mean, nothing against him. I just I, I'm I'm more excited about the younger, more exciting player, Kelly Bryant. And that's and that's fair. I do want to see Schusler come in because he is said to be our solid number two. And he's a guy that has speed. He runs a 4-6-40. And that fits into our offense. Yeah, like during a hurricane with a wind in his back, he runs a 4-6-40. But anyway, <laughs> dude, let's, uh, we, need to, we need to tie this up. Um, around the league, some, some key college games going on. We're going to do like a little prediction for those games. Yeah, we don't want to keep it all Clemson. You know, we're going to lighten up and uh, get a feel for the rest of the college football landscape. So college football starts off uh, Thursday night, and I think the game that we're all looking forward to, as we are every year on that Thursday, is the South Carolina game. Which will, by the way, probably already be done maybe by the time you're listening to this. So let's keep that in mind. Yes. Maybe maybe we shouldn't make a prediction. We have have South Carolina versus uh, North Carolina to – highly esteemed academic institutions. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, oh, yeah. Um, so South Carolina is the home team, but they're actually playing at Bank of America Stadium. So it is a neutral site game. What do you think, Cody? How do you feel about this game? You know, South Carolina is coming off a down year last year. They don't have a, you know, a proven quarterback, and they have a suspect defense. I talked to my gang. I, by the way, you know, when my freshman year I spent in South Carolina. A lot of great Gamecock fin, uh, friends. And That's I an talked oxymoron, to, but okay, yeah, go ahead. That, so I talked to uh, talked to one of them, and I was like, you know, how are you guys going to do against North Carolina? They have a horrible defense. He's like, we have a horrible defense. So I'm like, good point. And, you, you know, now you're a little bit unsure about your offense because you got someone unproven. So it, this could be a little bit closer than I, I think. I see South Carolina prevailing, but it could be a lot closer than they would like. Um, I don't know a ton about North Carolina this year. Really, really bad defense. 
Yeah, really bad defense. Uh, South Carolina not a great defense. Neutral site game. I see South Carolina still skidding down here. And they, they've played these Thursday night games to start the season against, for the most part, inferior opponents. Really close the past few years. They got blown out at home last year um, against Texas A&M. I see them losing this one. It's going to be a close game, but I think North Carolina pulls this one out. Wow. I mean, I'm looking forward to North Carolina pulling it out. A little bit biased here, but, you know. Again, for the record, I'm going close game. South Carolina prevails. Who, who's up? Who's up next? All right. So next one, this is a Friday night game, and normally this wouldn't be of a lot of interest to us, but uh, Chad Morris, the brand-new coach of uh, SMU, our former offensive coordinator, they are hosting um, Baylor in Dallas. So I don't expect... SMU to come anywhere close to winning this game, but I would like to see how they react to playing a big game. Chad Morris's uh, you know first game as a head coach, seeing what their offense can do, what he's been able to develop in such a short period of time. I expect Baylor to put up a lot of points and number four team in the country, but you know, Chad Morris did a lot of great things for Clemson University, and you know I'm pulling for him. I'm I'm pulling for him, and we can say this about Baylor: they have a great offense. They've never been known for their great defense, so. Hopefully we'll see, you know, we'll see what Chad Morris has got. He's never had a bad year, probably on any level, actually, aside from last year when you know, Cole Stout was leading the leading the bunch. But I, I, And by most standards as a team, not a bad year. Yeah, not yeah, true. Offensively, not so great. But I'll say, like, let's see how well he, he can, you know, implement his system and, you know, probably not his recruit, obviously not his recruits yet. Right. So we'll, we'll see what he, he can do. Yeah, I mean, there will be some growing pains for him, but, hey, we're pulling for him and just interested to see how he does in his first, first uh, college head football coaching position. Um, next up, we get to some Saturday games. we got got uh, UCLA and Virginia. ACC versus Pac-12, the powerhouses. Um, you know what's crazy is Virginia has recruited some – they've got a really – like a few really good players recently, Quinn Blanding being the safety that they – they pulled out, uh, pulled away from us, but still, it's probably a blowout. Probably not a good game for the ACC, but you never know. Look at what happened with Virginia Tech last year being Ohio State. Maybe they can at least hang in there and you know give us a little bit of respectability. Yeah, you know what? UCLA uh, opened the season at Virginia last year. They came in highly ranked, and it was a really close game against Virginia. And uh, as it turned out, at the end of the season, UCLA was overrated. They come in as number thirteen this year. I think they're overrated again. They're at home this time, so I agree with you, Cody. I don't think it's going to be a close game. I think UCLA is going to pull this one out uh, by a large margin, but I think that's only because of the traveling uh, to the West Coast, not because of any indication of how good or necessarily bad uh, UCLA is or Virginia isn't. I don't think Virginia is a great team. I don't think UCLA is a great team. Um, So now more of a marquee game for the ACC against another big uh, Power 5 conference. We're looking at Louisville versus Auburn. They go on the road. Uh, Louisville had a decent season last year. You know, Auburn obviously predicted by a lot of people to possibly win a national championship this year. What you got? Well, this is this game has a lot of implications. For one, it's ACC versus SEC. And, you know, Auburn is not – I mean, they're a powerhouse, whatever. You call them what you want. They're, they def, you know, they're a national championship contender. This is a chance for the ACC to really, 
you know, we don't even consider Louisville to be a top-tier ACC team. It's a chance for the ACC to really earn some respect. And can't really think that it's – I mean, I can't really think that, you know, they're going to win this game, but they could at least – I mean, they could at least be competitive. And then that gives us a lot of uh, credibility if we can beat them in two more – or I guess that would be – yeah, two more weeks. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I don't see them being competitive. I see Auburn running all over them. They've, they've had a lot of term, turnover. They don't have a proven quarterback yet. So I see Auburn pulling out this game. And, it, I mean, I think they're going to pull away early and, and not look back. Uh, so a couple more games we'll get to here to kind of round this out. Um, kind of sticking with the ACC vibe, though not a full member. We'll talk about Notre Dame. They are on our schedule this year. They come in ranked number 11. Uh, they're on the road. Uh, or, no, they're at home, sorry, against Texas. And, you know, Texas, we don't know. You know, Charlie Strong there, um, they, weren't, they haven't been great the past few seasons, uh, dating from Mac Brown's last year, uh, and then moving on. So, Cody, Notre Dame, Texas. I, I would say Notre Dame, but really, I'll, 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 I'll say this. I'm rooting for Notre Dame. I'm rooting for any ACC team. I'm totally on that bandwagon. And I don't know why – in the, in the age of the, the playoff, I don't know why you would root against your own conference. You want that resume to, resume to be as tight as it can possibly be. So Notre Dame all the way. Um, I really don't know what Charlie Strong is going to be bringing. You know, I think he's improved recruiting a little bit at Texas, but, like, I don't know. Yeah, so I'll say this. I'm fully pulling for Louisville in, as in the best interest of Clemson. I'm fully pulling for Notre Dame. For the same reasons, I'm totally pulling against South Carolina. I don't care how their our strength of schedule is affected by. Well, that's them. a win-win. Losing. That's a win-win. Yeah, exactly. South Carolina. Um, in this case, I see Notre Dame winning at home. Um, last game we'll kind of get to, and again, a lot of these games, whether or not they're related to Clemson by who we play uh, during the year, whether or not they're in our conference or not. When you're an elite team and you start the season ranked around the top ten, how these teams ahead of you in the top ten do does affect you because them losing gives you the opportunity to move up. So now we'll jump to number three, Alabama, versus uh, number 20, Wisconsin. This is probably the biggest top 25 uh, matchup of the weekend. Um, Alabama-Wisconsin. Alabama's at home. What do you see happening here? I see, regardless of the outcome, the SEC flag being waved very, very high. And honestly, I think Alabama's probably going to – they're actually – Pulling in a lot of new players, a lot of rebuilding there. They should blow Oklahoma, or uh, I'm sorry, blow Wisconsin out. Uh, the Big Ten is absolutely horrible. Ohio State is not; they don't have one really good game on their whole schedule aside from maybe Michigan State. Um, it, Alabama by probably three touchdowns, maybe four. Yeah, so I hate to pull for the SEC, but you hear a lot of talk going into this year about the ACC being the team left out of the. Uh, the college football playoff this year. Um, And I don't see that necessarily as being the case. You know, the ACC does have a lot of strong teams. And I think the Big Ten, despite what Ohio State did last year, they are overrated. And I expect Alabama to win here big against Wisconsin. They're at home. um, And I I think they're going to, you know, take it to, well, sorry, it's a neutral site game, actually, in Arlington, Texas, still closer to Alabama. Um, I still expect them to pull this out and – and when, unfortunately, not good for our chances of moving up, and we'll see what other uh, foes Alabama faces later in the season. With that said, I'm, I'm rooting for Wisconsin. Just throw that well, out there. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm rooting for them, too. I'm, I will always root for Nick Saban to lose. I'll, I think most people will. I'll root for him to lose. I'll also root for him to retain his job. Because we do not want him. We don't. We do not want an opening in Alabama for the head coach. Uh, we all know why. Anyway, so Nick, I, Nick Saban for life. <laughs> yeah, keep <laughs> stay there, man. Bear, Bear Bryant, that shit. Thanks again for joining us. Very excited to get the the football season started finally. Um, again, the Clemson podcast. You can you can find our stuff on on iTunes, Stitcher. Go to ClemsonPodcast.com. You can follow us there. However, you like to receive your your podcast. Um, you know whatever the case but uh thanks again for tuning in we'll be back i guess on sunday for a for a recap of the waffer game thanks again go tigers